Today's a special day because we are joined in by the Father's House in Vacaville. Shout out to Pastors Dave and Donna Patterson. The Vacaville campus is here as well as all the other campuses. Hey, in addition to that, we have a 35 prisons that are joining with us right now, live streaming with us. In addition to that, shout out to the Father's House Oakland, a church plant much like us, to Pastors Jules and Lonnie Moore. And also, also, we just got to add to the family. I mean, it's a family affair today. Shout out to TFH Natomas with pastors Matt and Trina Ornelas. You guys, this is so exciting. Can you believe through the power of technology and the coronavirus, we all get to be together. Okay. This is a good day in the house of God. Now, wherever you are, we just want to say that you have a seat at the father's house. Now, I understand that there's family from around the, around the, the nation that is watching in and the globe. And if you haven't been with us, we are currently in a series entitled Battle Ready. In the last couple of weeks, we have really tried training and teaching people, our people, how to be ready, how to be on guard for whatever the enemy throws at us. And as we've discussed in weeks previously, y'all, we are in a war, but guess what? We are warriors. And I don't want us to go softly into the night. I don't want us to be by the wayside as a pandemic hits. No, 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 no. This is a season where we are gonna rise up and step into the destiny, the calling, and the purpose that God has called us to. Like I said in week one, an apathetic warrior is a pathetic warrior. This is your invitation. Friends, you get to be a part of a move of God. And the last four weeks, if you haven't been with us, as a little recap. It's been training day. Uh, week one, I spoke about that it's an invitation to step into what God has called us to. Then in week two, Pastor Matt decided to discuss strongholds, how the enemy has tried to put us captive, keep us at bay from what God wants us to step into. Then I was able to come up on the back end and talk about the tactics and strategies of the enemy, specifically lies, and how he is whispering lies to you even now, telling you what is not yours, but you can't inherit, and what you will not do. But we are going to silence the mouth of the enemy because the devil is a liar. And speaking of the devil, we spoke about him last week, and he ain't got no power. So today, my note takers, today, my Bible scholars, I want you to grab your notebook, your pen, your Bible, because the title of today's sermon is not today, Satan. Now, when things are not going right, uh, I want us to be woke believers. And when something comes at us sideways, we just shout back, not today, Satan. When, when, when you are late, there's traffic and you don't want to be late for your work or doctor's appointment, you shout back, not today, Satan. When your child is acting down and having a meltdown of epic proportion, you just shout back, not today, Satan. Okay, because here's the thing. The enemy cannot steal what you refuse to give him. So today we need to armor up and snatch it back. So pull out your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we're going to jump right in and I'm going to back it up for some context. But in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Brothers and sisters, friends in Christ, before you even get the armor, guess what? You got to be strong. It is a gift to receive the armor of God. And he says to be strong, but strong in who? Strong in yourselves? No, strong in the mighty power of God. And then in verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Somebody shout back schemes. Yes, it is time to armor up church. Now, if you know me, you know, I am very vocal 
about my love for California. I mean, give me some Cali love every day, all right? I feel very privileged to live in the greatest state in the nation, and I know there's people watching around from the globe, but let me tell you, I believe that California is AKA the promised land. Now, I wanna back this up because if you don't know, we have beaches, we have deserts, we got mountain, we got snow, we got lakes, we've got San Francisco, we got Napa, we have Oakland, we have LA, okay? Because we all, we all know we like a little LA face, the Oakland booty, yes, that's true, that is true. In addition to that, we have OC representing and we got Disneyland. I mean, does it get better than that? I believe we are the greatest state in the good old U.S. of A. Now, my husband is from Minnesota. Minnesota is not California, okay? And the first time that my husband uh, took me to meet my future in-laws, who are watching online, hi, Dan and Ruth, uh, uh, he took me in January. Now, if you are not familiar with Minnesota, um, that is not where brown people go, okay? I'm Mexican. My people do beaches and islands. He took me in January. You know what I discovered in the month of January in Minnesota? <laughs> there is zero degrees. And then there's below zero degrees. Now, I had no clue. I came with knee-high boots trying to be cute and impressed and had this long trench coat. And I walked out into sub-zero degrees. My eyes were like frozen open, okay? My nose was running. And I didn't want to blow my nose because I was afraid that icicles were going to shoot out like bullets. And I immediately said when I got into the car, I, 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 I was very lovely. But I said, I don't think I would be able to survive in this place. And my sweet mother-in-law, Ruth, said oh, it's not that you can't survive this, it's that you don't have the right gear for this environment. Mm. That's a word, Grandma Ruth, okay? That's a word right there. And here's the thing, it's not that you can't survive this environment, you need to armor up and you need some good gear. Now for you to survive your situation, you need to know how to strap up, you need to know how to suit up, how to gear up, how to armor up. And Paul, the apostle, is telling us the same thing in chapter six. Now, if you've been with us, you know I love giving homework. The homework here at TFHOC has been to read Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Read it repeatedly, 4, 5, and 6, 4, 5, and 6. And if you did your homework and you landed now on chapter 6, you might be thinking when you saw armor, what does armor have to do with my victory in school? What does armor have to do with victory in my marriage or victory in my finances or victory in my relationships or my health or my job or my kids or my ministry? Uh, you can't seem to figure out why is Paul talking about this armor? See, Paul is about to train us to fight against stuff we can't even see. In fact, Paul writes the entire book of Ephesians for those wanting victory. So Ephesians, by the way, is the creme de la creme. It is the cream of, of the crop of Paul's writing. In fact, Paul was writing to church plants in the New Testament. Church plants much like Natomas, much like Oakland, much like OC in San Francisco. Yes, so Paul is writing these letters to these young church plants. Hey, be woke. Don't be dumb. Your children's delight. Act like it. In fact, they compiled these letters and Paul the apostle penned two-thirds of the New Testament and theologians believe that this is one of his greatest books. Now, if you've done a Bible study with me, you know that I love Paul the Apostle. He is my Bible boyfriend, and Matt is okay with it. He is a bad mamma jamma, all right? And Paul is, is ending, the end of his letter. He's at the end of the letter, and he begins to pen. And I'm sure in the theater of my mind, he pauses and says, how am I gonna end this letter? I have told them about their identity. I have told them about their calling. I have told them how to change and how to spiritually mature. I told them that there's an enemy. Now what? How do I seal in them that victory is actually yours? 
In the BIV, the Bianca International Version, it would go something like, not today, Satan. The enemy cannot steal what you refuse to give him. So armor up and snatch it back because you a warrior. Now, Paul maybe wasn't as ghetto as that, but what I want you to do is Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians, and he's actually in prison. It's a prison epistle. And two years ago, Matt and I had an opportunity to lead a group of people through, uh, through Rome, actually, through Italy. And we got to go into a prison that Paul would have been captured in. Now, I don't know if he wrote the epistle of Ephesians there in this particular prison. He might have been on house arrest, some theologians believe. But either way, I could see myself in that prison catacomb. And I could see Paul because it's like brick like stone and dark. And it's, it's a six chapter letter. And this is not for the faint of heart. This is some deep, meaty theological concepts. And Paul is writing there late into the night and the candle is burning in the corner. And as he picks up his paper and ponders, what am I going to say to my friends in the corner blocking the door or a window is a roaming guard and poof, it hits him. And he says this in verse 10, finally, We're going to read it again. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what, church? The devil's schemes. Hey, you could be sitting there with yourself. You know, you holler back because the spirit of God can hear you. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not against the people who are sitting around you right now. No, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of a dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God. Well, listen, if you've got to put something on, that means you've got to take something off. What are you taking off? Paul spoke about it in chapter four. Take off the ratchet things. Take off the unholy things. Take off the sin. And he is now telling us, put on so that when the day of evil comes, because there's going to be a bad day, just, just wait. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. So in these couple verses, what Paul the Apostle has done is that he has introduced this principle of spiritual warfare. And Paul comes straight out of the gate as he ends this letter. And he says, no, 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 no. Anyone or anything that you can understand with your five senses, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, or, or touching, hey, that is not your enemy. No. He says that there is an invisible enemy. And there's an invisible enemy who wants you to think that just because he's invisible, he's also fictional. Like he's some boogeyman from childhood stories with ineffectual power. But the truth is the enemy is a shyster and he disguises himself and but stands behind life's most pressing problems because he knows if he could distract you, then you will be able to move your weapons and aim them at the wrong people. See, you will think that the problem is your spouse. I'm going to tell you right now, the problem isn't your husband, isn't your wife. You might think that your problem is your teenager or your toddler. It's not them. You might think that the problem is is your neighbor who's incredibly annoying. Or you might think it's your mother's the problem or your mother-in-law is the problem. I mean, not my mother-in-law. Hi, Ruth. No. But I know some of y'all carnal people have some mother-in-laws where you're thinking during quarantine, if this chick looks at me cross-eyed one more time, we're going to have words. Listen, those are not your problem. Those are not your enemy. They are not your enemy. There is an enemy and I want you to learn. I want you to see, I want you to discern that if there is a lack of peace, if there is strife, if there is chaos, if there is division, if there is jealousy and greed and envy and malice and there is pride, I want you to see the fingerprints of the enemy at work and shout back, not today, Satan, uh-uh, uh-uh. So here in California, 
we have a remember promised land. Here in California, we have a theme park called Knott's Berry Farm. And in the fall season, Knott's Berry Farm then flips where they bring in like haunted houses and mazes and it changes to Knott's Scary Farm. Well, in high school, all, the, all my friends were going and so I begged my parents, will you please let me go to Knott's Scary Farm? And much of their chagrin, they let me go. But that was a dumb move because I hate all things scary. I've got a very sensitive spirit, like, like, woo, like woke spirit, all right? I should not have gone. And not even that long into being in the park, we went to this one particular maze and I was so scared in this maze. There was ghosts, there was goblins, there was witches, there was freaky things jumping out of walls. And I remember being so terrified that I jetted right out of the maze and I was running while I realized that a monster was chasing me and screaming after me and I was freaking out. And so as I'm looking back, I see the monster chasing me that I missed a stationary trash can right in front of me. So I hit the trash can, foul, clumsily over, bump my knee and I'm crying. Well, the monster breaks character and he says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, can I help you? And I couldn't really walk. So he picked me up and we were limping over to this private room behind some curtains. And there it was actually a makeshift break room. And as I'm sitting there icing my knee, I'm seeing ghosts and goblins and witches and Freddy Cougar all walking in and taking off their mask. And I felt like, oh, this is funny. And the room behind me was interesting because there was a control room. And there in this control room, there was about 12 screens. And on each of the screens, there was like 12, uh, four different screens. And there was people on microphones as controllers telling the ghosts, the goblins, the witches, the Freddy Kruegers on the inside of the maze, I was just in what to do. Girl coming in the hallway, move left. Guy coming down the hallway, go right, scare them. Now, here is this interesting caveat that I want to bring in today because what I realized then, it applies to today, that there is always something you can't see influencing what you can't see. There is always something influencing what you can't see. Now, uh, if we are not aware to the tactics of the enemy, it'll wreak havoc and tear on our life, much like it did for me in that scary maze at Not Scary Farm. And so Paul is gearing us up. He wants us to pull back the curtain and say, wake up, look, there's the enemy. And we get to shout back at the devil, I see you, I got your number, I know your tactics, I know your schemes, I know your strategy. Paul wants us to be woke to the tactics of the enemy because Paul knows that if we grasp the reality that there is an enemy, that we'll be able to fight him. And Paul uses a specific word. He says tactics. Somebody shout back tactics. tactics. Now the enemy, the enemy is watching your every move. Oh, you think you're so mysterious. You think you're so unknown. <laughs> Not to the enemy. He knows what turns you on. He knows what turns you off. He knows what tantalizes you. He knows what frightens you. He knows what frustrates you. He knows how to stumble you. And like Matt had said last week, that from the day that you were born, the enemy has been plotting to defeat you and take you down. But this is how we fight our battles, where we get to stand in the face of the enemy and say, if a war is what you want, a war is what you're going to get. Now, the enemy, uh, or some theologians said that, that knowing that there's an enemy who's strategizing against us, that it should rise a holy indignation. You know what I say? It should rise up a ratchet anger inside of you. We are ready to go to blows with the enemy. See, he has been studying you. He has been watching you. He is trying to take the best way to frustrate you and, and tempt you. 
And the enemy is dangling a carrot in front of you when you are most vulnerable, when you are most hungry, when you're most alone, when you are most sad, when you are most depressed, when you are most tired, when you are most thirsty. Guess what? That's not a coincidence. That's a strategy. It is a strategy of the enemy. And the enemy cannot, I beg of you, the enemy cannot come in and see lay believers just kissing the day away. I'm just wasting time until my life changes. No, the enemy cannot steal what you refuse to get him. So armor up and snatch it back. Paul's going to give us a strategy, a strategy specifically with armor. And if it doesn't make sense, you're probably thinking like, how does armor help me with my marital struggles? How does armor help me with my singleness? How does armor help me in my financial issues or my loss of job? Like Mama Ruth said, it's not that you can't survive this. It's that you don't have the right gear for this environment. So Paul is about to give us this gear right now. Uh, Theologians say that there's six pieces of this armament. I'd like to say that there's seven. Uh, Six is the number of man. Seven is the number of perfection and completion. So I will go ahead and add, add that. And there is a camp of people who believe that. But today we're only talking about six because next week... That weapon needs a week all its own. So jump with me. Let's continue on in verse 14 of Ephesians 6. Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the sword of God. If you're taking note, we're gonna go through these attributes because I want you to kind of have an understanding of why Paul is saying this. The first thing he lists is a belt of truth. Now for a Roman soldier, they were given a long piece of leather that actually wrapped around them several times over and it had loops and hooks. As we'll discover, um, it was a great place that you could loop into your breastplate. Um, Also there's a a, a loop for your uh, dagger and sword. And this is important and much needed for every warrior. Well, Paul allegorizes this as a belt of truth. What, What is truth? Truth is not man's opinion, it's God's opinion. Truth is not man's opinion, truth is God's opinion. Truth are not facts and feelings. But in this world, we are told, oh, just go with what your heart tells you to do. Trust your feelings. Or I've got data, I've got statistics, I've got facts. Facts is not the truth. Let me prove this. The fact is, we are in a global pandemic of COVID. The feeling that we have is unsurety. We are afraid. Can we get sick? Will this affect my business? What happens to my family? But there is a truth. The truth is, is that the Lord is going to provide a cure. The truth is that this is going to end because it always does. God is on the throne and God will get the glory. That is truth. Truth is not facts or feeling, friend. No, the devil is a liar and he wants to keep us slaves to facts and feelings. The lie is that the the enemy has been whispering to you, you will never change. You are always going to live a life of terror and fear. You will always have this struggle. You will never be enough. You will always be alone. Do you hear the lie, the lie, the lie, the lie, the lie? Why? Because the enemy knows. The enemy can keep you enslaved. You will never walk as a free person inheriting the call of God upon your life. Now, this is preached a lot. The truth will set you free. 
That's actually incorrect. The fullness of that scripture says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You've got to know the truth, friend. You are free. It's not, I'm hoping one day to be free. Child of God, wear the belt of truth and know that this blood of Jesus shed on Calvary has set you free. In the words of MLK Jr., free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, free at last. Now, in, in Paul's writings, the next thing is his breastplate, but that's my favorite. That's my favorite. So I'm going to save that to the end like a cherry on top. So I want you to jump down. And this is what he says, that our feet, they're fitted. We have these shoes for the readiness of the gospel. Now, in the image behind me, you'll know that this person ne- desperately needs a pedicure. So don't focus on that. But I want you just to focus on the shoes. Uh, it is the gospel, the gospel of peace going forth. Now, the gospel does more than get you to heaven. The gospel brings heaven to you. The gospel brings heaven to you. And Paul is not talking about, when he's talking about the peace, he's not talking about peace with God. He's talking about the peace of God. You want to move forward, but there's this sense of insurity, unsurety. Hey, guess what? That when we are strapped with these shoes, the readiness of the gospel will go forth. Now, I think that I'm passionate about moving forward, especially as a church planter, especially as a church planter in trying times. So I did some research. Hey, thanks, Google. And you know what I discovered? That the shoes that the Roman soldiers wore, they were, think think of them kind of like cleats, that here is the shoe and they had spikes and shards of glass coming in this way. So that when you were approaching your enemy and taking ground, you had sure footing. It's almost like it got locked up in there. Now, These shoes were only designed for us to move forward. So when the enemy tries to come at you and throw assaults at you, you hold your ground and you shout back, not today, Satan, I'm a child of God. I am immovable because my God is immovable. No, no, no. And as warriors, we don't move backwards. We only move to new ground, okay? Now, in the photo that you're gonna see behind me is shields. Shields of faith. And in the words of Beyonce, we get information, okay? Because what we see here is that when faith is intertwined, that is what happens when our shields come together. There is a faith that is fostered in community. And guess what? Church is gonna open again. And I'm encouraging all of us with safety and precautions. Will you link arms with your brothers and sisters? Not not physically, okay, six feet, I get it. But will you link your faith arms with your brothers and sisters? Because when our shields of faith come together, think of it as like Gladiator and Maximus gathering up the men, shouting, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And the warriors are coming at them. They put their shields together and it blocked them from their enemy. When we come together, guess what? Your little bit of faith, my little bit of faith makes a whole lot of faith and God is able to move. And you need a shield because the enemy is throwing these fiery darts that are coming at you and the shield of faith will protect you. Now, during this time, a Roman shield would be about four, four and a half feet tall and it would be lined with tufted leather. Why is that? So when the flaming uh, darts of the enemy come at you, they're extinguished right there. Now, uh, my, uh, Dr. Evans says this about faith, that, that faith is not this ethereal thing. No, faith is movement. The shield of faith come after what? Feet. Your faith has got to have movement. Did you catch that? Your faith is tied to your feet. And he says this, biblical faith is acting like it's so, even when it's not so, so that it might be so because God said so. 
I'm going to say that again so y'all hear it. Some of you are like, I wasn't paying attention. I was eating my Cheerios. Let me say that again because it's good. I need to say it twice. Biblical faith is acting like it's so, even when it's not so, that it might be so because God said so, okay? That is biblical faith. And the greatest chapter of faith in the scope of scripture is Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, they list these amazing characters of the faith. David, Enoch, Rahab, Ruth. And you know what they listed? They listed their name and what they did. It didn't list their feelings. It didn't list their doubts. No, 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 no. If you walk forward with God, you have faith. All right. It didn't say we're scripture says that we walk by faith. We don't walk by emotion. We don't walk by, by, by feeling. No, we walk by faith. And I'm going to pause on that because faith takes a conscious decision right now. There are over 35 prisons watching this sermon And I want to pause and speak to every single inmate under the sound of my voice and the authority of God Almighty. I want you to know that the decision that you make doesn't just affect your life. It affects the generation after you and the generation after them. I know this because there was a good man who went to jail not once, but twice. Serving for crimes, he actually did. He deserved to be there. But upon coming upon the revelation of who Jesus was, he knew that he needed to change his life. And he professed Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. That man went on to plant a church in East Los Angeles, California. And in his over 30 years of church planting and serving the people of God, over 20,000 people have said yes to Jesus. I know that man because that man is my father. And I want you to look at me and say, if God could do it for him and his children, he could do the same thing for me. Does your faith have feet? Oftentimes we are waiting on God to move, but God is waiting for us. Are you ready? This is your invitation church. Now, Paul doesn't stop there. I love this. You guys, I'm geeking out. And if you're like bored with weaponry, just, just wait a second. Paul tells us to protect our head, we need the helmet of salvation. Now, if you remember in week two, Pastor Matt took us through strongholds and how our mind is a battlefield and a stronghold wants to keep you out from realizing the truth of who God is and the plan that God has for you. And as your mind goes, so your body follows. So therefore put on a helmet of salvation. Now, I geeked out over this, and I hope you do too. When Paul wrote helmet of salvation, that word in in Greek for salvation is sozo. And we read salvation as in like forgiveness of sin, which is true. But according to Strong's Concordance, sozo also carries the idea of being physically healed of infirmities and protection from spiritual entities. The helmet of salvation not only forgives you of sins, but can actually heal you and protect you from the devil and his demons. Come on, somebody. That's good. That's an amen right there in the chat box. Now, listen, that's not it. That's not it. We also, we got a little shank. We got a little shiv. Actually, Paul refers to it as a sword. But this thing is actually an 18-inch, more like a dagger. Now, this dagger is used for close contact. And Paul says that we're going to need a sword of the spirit and the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Now I want to clarify something really quick. In our English language, we have a very limited English language. So when we say word, it has various meanings. I could say word and I could say that's a word or I could say the word is right. All three different. Now in Greek, they didn't have that complicated problem. So uh, the word graphe uh, means like a book, but we interpret that as word. 
The word logos in Greek is a, a context, an explanation, or meaning. And our English word is word. But see, Paul doesn't use graphe or logos. Paul uses the word rhema. I love that word because a rhema word is a declared spoken word. And Paul says, up, says pick up the rhema word of God, the declared words of God. And it's not just Paul pontificating in a prison. It's not just Bianca going off on a rant. We see this out of the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, the enemy goes to the desert and tempts Jesus. Not once, not twice, thrice. Three different times he tries to come and tempt Jesus. What does Jesus do? Does he put on brass knuckles and go to blows? Does he cuss him out? No. Three times he says, it is written, and then quotes scripture. It is written and quotes scripture. It is written and quotes scripture. So when the enemy comes at us, we don't fight through fear. We don't fight through bad words. We fight with the word of God. Mm. Now, in verse 18, uh, that would be the seventh piece of armament. Again, we're going to talk about that next week. But this piece that he talks about, his final piece is prayer. And I, I want you to join us next week because I believe that we are going to call down heaven and God is going to do something amazing on that week. But suffice it to say, if you are taking note, prayer is earthly permission for heavenly intervention. And there's a battle to be had. We need to be prayerful family. Now, in this last piece, it is the breastplate of righteousness. And here in verse 14, Paul says that this breastplate is called righteousness. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is rightness with God. So right after the belt of truth, remember Paul gives a belt of truth. Then Paul goes on to speak about the breastplate of righteousness. See, when we know the truth, we know the difference between good and bad, right and wrong. And this is super important because I have to be extremely clear. Wrongness invites demonic engagement. If we are living in the wrong, we give open rights for demonic warfare to take place. As roaches love the dark, demons love wrongness. And you can come to church every week. You can watch online. You can applaud and say, amen, hallelujah. And you could leave this message. You can turn off YouTube. You can walk out of a church building and live an entire different life Monday through Saturday. And you have played right into the enemy's hands. And, and, and what he's hoping is that you will come here and applaud, but not apply the word of God. And Paul the Apostle would says, says this, that right living, righteousness, is your breastplate. It blocks the enemy from some of the most vital places of your life. Now, I save this piece because this is the thing that I am declaring over my life. See, the breastplate protects vital organs that are vital to our life. Now, during this time, a soldier can get an a, a arm wound or a cut, a leg wound or a cut, and they'll survive. But during this time, if anything was in the torso, but specifically the heart, a soldier would not survive. The tactic of the enemy is that we do not walk out with the breastplate of righteousness. See, you can have a, a soldier walk into battle, and they could be smart. The soldier can know the tactics and the strategy. The soldier, the soldier could be muscular and buff. The soldier can have all the armaments and, and, and the weaponry, Accept the breastplate and one fatal shot from the enemy could take the soldier out. That is why I don't care if you have a 10 pound Bible. I don't care if you speak Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. I don't care if you do your devotions for 60 minutes every single day and drink your coffee out of a printed mug that says Jesus over everything. I don't care about that because the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter if you know every Hillsong and Elevation song. If you go into your everyday 
and you do not carry the rightness of God, one shot and you're done. The enemy is looking for your breastplate of righteousness is down. That is why Ephesians 4, 1 says this, I urge you, Paul says, as a prisoner in chains, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Single women out there who are incredibly isolated and alone, hey, guess what? When the world is doing this, that, and the other, you are gonna say, I am an anointed child of God. Come what may, God use me. For my single brothers out there that you're looking at all these other fools acting a fool and hooking up with him and her and they and them and all this other stuff, you, my son in the faith, you are going to say, I'm a child of God and that is not for me. Hey, mothers and fathers, you are gonna love and rear your children under the authority of God pointing to the glory of God. Husbands and wives, you are gonna submit to each other just as Christ submitted himself for the church. Business owners, you are gonna love and honor your employees and employees, you're gonna honor your boss as if you were working unto the Lord. Who said that? Paul the apostle in chapter four, five, and six. The enemy knows that right living is hard. The enemy knows that. And he's waiting to take advantage of us. And God isn't asking for perfection. The Holy One is perfect. God's not looking for perfection from our part. No, we can't reach that standard. What Paul is talking about here is a lifestyle choice. It doesn't matter if you, if you fail. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes. What God is inviting us into is to consider the areas of your life that you are telling him no. God says, I think you need to forgive that person and you say no, that's a problem. God, uh, God is inviting you to give and you say no, that's a problem. God is asking you to break off a relationship because it's a distraction and you say no, that's a problem. God is inviting you to step into a new adventure, to step into ministry, to start a business and you say no, that is a problem. God is saying don't do that job and you say no. The enemy wants to wait until you're exposed and not living in rightness so that he could attack you. And of all the weaponry that we see here, the breastplate is the heaviest. Friends, it was 70 pounds. Can you imagine as a soldier carrying 70 pounds to battle and then going uphill, going downhill? You're so exhausted carrying this, you can't even fight. So the Romans got hit to the game. They actually made a loop in the belt that you could place the breastplate on. Let's catch that, my friends. The righteousness of God resides on the truth. You don't have to carry that righteousness for there is no one righteous except our God. So the truth you need to hear is you are not righteous. You might be wretched, but our God is good and holy and he wants to give you the righteousness of him. And I'm gonna tell you, you do not have to carry that righteousness alone. If the enemy can't enslave you to sin and addiction, he's gonna make you a slave to religiosity where you just say, I am a good person, I can do this. Can I tell you some truth that will take the weight off of your shoulders? This truth will set you free today and give you a little bit of room to breathe. I can't do this religious thing on my own. I'm not perfect, I'm so messed up. Guess what, the truth is, is over 2000 years ago, a man named Jesus paid the ultimate price for your righteousness. And in this divine exchange, God took your sin, your mistakes, your failure, your flaws, your unrighteousness, and he gave you his righteousness. So child of God, this is what we have an opportunity to do. Right now, right where you are, any time zone, any state, any country, any continent, we are inviting you to take your step of faith. Remember, good soldiers, we move forward. We never go back. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of your decision. Man, that was an amazing word. Pastor Bianca always comes with it. And so we just want to say uh, not only thank you for watching, 
but I know that God is speaking to you and through Pastor Bianca about being equipped and putting on the full armor of God because we are in a spiritual battle. Uh, we know this seriously, not just because of our demographic or the city that we live in, but we're in a spiritual battle because we have chosen to follow Jesus. And maybe you're in the battle right now and a battle of confusion, a battle of anxiety, and you need to be equipped. One of the best things, the, 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 really the fundamental thing, not a best thing, it is the best thing that you could do is to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you're far away from God and you're like, Pastor Jules, I'm on the battlefield, but I'm just taking hit after hit after hit. The Bible is so clear and it actually seems too good to be true. But the reality is, is that Jesus came and he stretched out his arms and he died on the cross for our sins so that we, we could be restored with God, that God can be our covering. And right now, if you're far away from the Lord, I wanna make it really simple. All you have to do is just say, I believe. Literally just that, type in the comments, I believe. And somebody on our team wants to reach out to you, they wanna pray with you, and they wanna help you walk this life out with Jesus. If that's you, you could just say, hey, I believe, and I'm gonna do a quick prayer. Father, we thank you that you're a God that still brings those that are far away close to you. Lord, we're believing that you're on the move in our lives, and I pray that there will be such a genuine surrender and understanding of saying, Lord, my life now belongs to you. And Lord, that you are covering, you are peace. And we thank you for the lives that are being changed in this moment in Jesus' name. And maybe you're in this place right now where you just need prayer. Feel free just to say, hey, I need prayer. I'm going through it right now in any of the chats, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, or whether you're on church online, just type in prayer. I need it. And someone wants to pray with you. They want to rally with you because we're in this together. And we're really excited. And so next week, we're going to jump right back into our essential series. And this next week, we're actually launching a 21-day campaign, an essential campaign about structuring our lives, living our lives, a full life with less. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And so we're going to take 21 days starting next week about fixing our focus on God, putting him first, learning what it looks like to live life together because we're in this together and being commissioned to serve because we're here to help. And so we're going to ask our church to rally with us as we jump back into next week. But in the meantime, we love you. We're super excited to see all that God's doing as things become a little bit more clear. We're already in the process of planning for what church is going to look like. And so stay tuned. Feel free to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all of the social medias. And if not, check us out on TFH Oak on the app. We would love to stay connected with you as we live life together. And so God bless you guys, and we will see you next week.